Good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes sitting alongside my good buddy Doug McCary. We're coming to you live on this uh, Wednesday afternoon, and uh, we are glad you have tuned in today. If you want to call this afternoon, you know the number, 844-777-7928. At least you should know that number by now if you're a regular on SWAT. If you're not a regular on SWAT and you're like, what is SWAT? SWAT stands for Spiritual warriors advancing truth doug and i monday through wednesday open the word of god doug teaches it we talk about it we discuss it we invite you to come join in the conversation thursday is a guest thursday doug you got a great guest tomorrow and i'm gonna let you talk about him in just a second and then fridays are really a what we call discipleship friday mm-hmm. it's where you know david gray and myself <clears throat> Uh, we take that same text that we're teaching through this week, and we basically model for you, the listener, what it looks like to disciple somebody through a text, through a passage of Scripture. Yeah, Jesus gave us a command. In fact, his last command before he ascended to the Father was, go make disciples. Hmm. How are we doing at that in the church today, Doug? Well, um not very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not very I mean, good. We're great at inviting people to stuff. But we're not really that good at sitting down and working through a passage of Scripture. You yeah. don't need to be a Bible scholar, by the way, to do that. No, uh, you don't. Uh, in fact, it, it, people should be able, you know, the whole discipleship thing. I, I don't know about you, but growing up, I didn't really know what discipleship was until I, I'd, I'd have to say, it was really uh, when I went through Nav 27 the first time. The navigators do a great do. job. Of course, uh, Dawson Trotman <clears throat> founded it, yes. you know, and yep. Dawson Trotman, his heart was to disciple people. Yep. And so he made a huge difference, and that organization uh, uh, impacted a lot of military people and a lot of church people. I know uh, Tommy Nelson out at Denton, they still use that Nav 27 mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, when I came to Christian Family Chapel, we were doing that. John Shear, you remember John? I do. Big John, booming bass yep. voice. John Shear. Uh, we were in a, a discipleship group with him, and that, that was probably the first real exposure to what I would call ongoing discipleship. You know, not right. just uh, because you know, kind of growing up, it was the church. You went to Sunday school. You went to <laughs> church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, you got together for fellowship and prayer, but really the whole idea of discipling somebody so they could disciple people had not really entered my mind. Yeah. I mean, and yet, Doug, the model of discipleship is we see it throughout life itself. I mean, uh, you know, there's no way you would know there is something wrong with one of my children or grandchildren if they were 18 years old mm-hmm. and I still needed to spoon feed them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that would immediately, if you came to my house and I had a 18-year-old that I was spoon feeding, you'd know there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, even in the, in the spiritual world, in the, in the church today, most Christians are mature in, in, in physicality, but they're immature spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're needing to be spoon-fed. 
in fact, even today, I was. Uh, you were teaching out of Acts 26, which we will be in next week. And I was looking at verse 18 where it says, or where it, verse 17, it says, uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, gosh, I'm lost now. Uh, You're like says, me. I, I, I know. No, it was in verse 16 uh, where it says, but rise and stand upon your feet. Of course, Paul's giving a testimony of his uh, road to Damascus. And it says, for I have appeared, he's talking about uh, the Lord, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Now listen to this, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. And, and I jotted down, and I just put discipleship. Listen, if Jesus has appeared to you, if you are his, you're called first to be a servant. Mm -hmm. Then you're called to be a witness. Mm -hmm. And then I put here to open the eyes of those who are in darkness. Well, and notice, Brad, when we look at stories in the Bible, the woman at the well in John 4 did not have to be taught how to be a witness. It just happened naturally. Absolutely. Um, the guy who had the demons cast out of him, you know, uh, he did not, he, in fact, he wanted to come with Jesus. He wanted, and Jesus said, no, go tell people. He just told him, no, you go tell people. And he, he went and told people today, we feel like we got to go through seven or eight <laughs> evangelism clashes, but classes yeah. before we can <clears throat> just tell people what God's done in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and with excitement and with because it's been made into a uh, kind of a propositional uh, contract more right. than anything else, right? Okay, and like a duty that you yeah. have to do. Uh, you know, I think about we do make disciples. Uh, everybody is a disciple maker. Mm -hmm. Now we may not be discipling them in the word. Uh, we, you know, you think about a good restaurant you eat at, mm -hmm. you become a disciple maker. Yeah. <laughs> You're excited to tell people about what you've experienced. That's basically what, mm -hmm. what the Lord is saying to Paul in mm -hmm. that text. Mm -hmm. He says, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Mm -hmm. And what purpose is that? To appoint you as a servant mm -hmm. and witness. Listen, when we experience the Lord, if we truly have experienced the Lord, the outpouring of that is that we would serve him and that we would be a witness to those who don't know him, who those are in darkness. Yeah, and really, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Right. We'll be talking about the darkness and that. Um, you know, um, I, did you listen to the briefing this morning? I did not. Um, you know, um, it was interesting because he was talking about how as human beings, we tend to go towards consistency. I mean, we, we, we really do. We, we kind of move in that direction. So he says, if we're liberal in our theology, talking about Al Mohler, if we're liberal in our theology, it means we do not believe in God having a character of justice and righteousness or revealing himself verbally in Scripture, making very moral commands, clear moral commands and demands of us. That's what progressive liberal theology teaches mm -hmm. that you know you can do what you want to do yeah pretty much like Halle Berry you know you just do what you want to do and you can do what you want to do but there's going to be some consequences to that yeah 
Um, and, you know, universalists believe that, you mm -hmm. know, the Unitarian people that believe, hey, you know, we're all going to get there, right? It doesn't matter. We're, we're all going to get there. Um, but listen, we're told, he says, that half of Orthodox Christians support LGBTQ inclusion in that regard. I mean, like, they, they're, you know, think about that. Um, the, you know, you might as well just throw theology out the window. If you're right. going to, if you're going to say this one area doesn't matter, then what else matters? Well, and you'll, you'll, <clears throat> if you'll cave, you'll cave to just about anything. Uh, yeah. the, uh, what is it? Uh, Paul says the, the winds of doctrine that blow to and fro, mm -hmm. we, that's what it is. The, these are these are the to and fro's these are the things that are going to come in our culture that are going to be winds of doctrine yeah. uh, that are going to blow you all over the place if you don't put a stake in the ground and say i'm going to stand on this and yeah. you even mentioned it today just the courage that paul had really uh to stand before king agrippa festus felix you know and down the line of the people he stood up against and declared the gospel truth. He was a person of conviction. And what we're seeing in our culture is how basically it's attractive, especially to young, what I would call uneducated in the Bible, uh, young people, mm -hmm. people, let's say people under 30 who aren't really, um, knowledgeable uh about the bible they don't they're not walking by the leading of the holy spirit uh they're attracted to this saying this this idea that you can change doctrine it changes with time morality and you you can have all these changes apart from what god says in his word uh and you can still call yourself a christian to believe in that a follower of jesus but the reality is if you are a true believer if you're a true well it's like i was sharing with um the bible study guys today there are people who call themselves christians who believe that jews who do not recognize jesus as messiah worship the same god as jew as, as people who recognized Jesus as Messiah. Hmm. And I read you two passages today that right. very clearly Jesus states, no, you don't have anything to do with the one true really mm -hmm. living yeah. God. But people have a hard time with that because it seems bigoted. It seems judgmental. But Jesus himself said it. So yeah. either he's <clears throat> a liar yeah. or he's the Lord who says what he wants to say and it's true and we should honor that but to 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 try to have it both ways don't we live in a culture that wants it both ways oh they want it all kinds of ways yeah <laughs> not just both ways it's 12 different ways or 20 different hence ways. the lgbtq 15 yeah. letters behind <laughs> it plus right well exactly i mean it's just uh there is jesus says i, I am the way he didn't say i'm one of many ways i am the way I am the truth and I am the life. Yes. And no one comes to the Father but through him. Yeah. I, 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 it's pretty exclusive. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It is exclusive. But I, what I was struck by, Brad, is that he makes the statement that you don't know my father. And we see even in Paul's life, until he met Jesus on the road, mm-hmm. he didn't recognize God. Yeah. And and so in some, I guess, a pragmatic way, people want people to feel like the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians all worship the same God because there's a lot of names that they know. They know the stories of mm. people that followed that God. But if Abraham lived today, he would be a Jesus follower. Yeah. Because he's he's a you know, he's a true follower of the one true living God. If you don't follow the God of Jesus, the God who's the father of Jesus, then you follow a different God than the people that that he's not the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but just like we try to make Jesus who we want him to be, people make God who they want him to be. And that's, that's right. that progressive <clears throat> yep. liberalism that yep. says he changes. That's like the Sadducees. They were the ruling elites in the temple, but they didn't believe in a resurrection. <laughs> right. They didn't believe <clears throat> in God's word. They didn't believe in the um, the the afterlife. How do you not believe in that? when it's all through the Old Testament, you know? So progressive liberalism. I'm going to go back and listen to uh, Dr. Moeller's The Briefing. If you're not familiar with that, definitely go check it out. It's worth worth listening to. It's about 15 minutes, uh, usually 15, 20 minutes max. Just listen to it at like speed and a half. I get through it a lot quicker. Glad you tuned in today. We're going to take a quick break. Hope you'll come back and join us. You can call 844-777-7928. You can call, you can email us your comments and questions to ask at SWATradio.com. That's A-S-K at SWATradio.com. Stay tuned. We... We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll... Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomnehl.com. Bibles for the World presents Learn the Bible in a Year, Genesis to Revelation in 365 Lessons. 2 Chronicles 36.23 This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up, and may the Lord their God be with them. Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in 586 B.C., and the Jews were taken into exile because of their sin. But God had promised through the prophet Jeremiah that they'd return after 70 years. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back, God told Jeremiah. In 539 B.C., Cyrus, king of Persia, defeated the Babylonians and allowed God's people to go back home. The God who brought his people out of Egypt and gave them the promised land now brought them out of Babylon and gave it back to them. On this positive note, the chronicler ends, but how does it apply to us? God preserved his people in a foreign land until it was time to go home, and that's what he's doing right now for the church. 
The world opposes the church, but hasn't overcome the church. God is the one who saves, God is the one who keeps, and God is the one who brings us home. You've been listening to Learn the Bible in a Year, presented by Bibles for the World, a ministry that's transforming people's lives across the globe through the power of God's Word. Now you can learn and understand the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Sign up today to receive a free 30-day Bible study from Learn the Bible in a Year, short, practical lessons designed to help you better understand God's Word. You'll get 30 lessons free when you visit BiblesForTheWorld.org slash book. That's BiblesForTheWorld.org slash book. The Florida Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Fernandina Beach at 91.3. Perfect. She looks like Welcome back to SWAT Radio. A little, <laughs> little surprised by yeah. coming in that quick. Uh, well, I'm going to let that music play for a minute. Yeah, there you go. I've built a fire from Okay, there we go. I'm so used to letting that song play a little bit. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, if you are new to SWAT radio and you maybe aren't in a Bible study, maybe a men's Bible study, that's how the SWAT radio came to be. It really kind of came out of a Bible study that Doug was doing, which was one Bible study that led to two, the three, the four, then five, and eventually came on the air. And he invited me the knucklehead to come join him so well we've known each other we knew each other a long time even before the bible study began it's uh, it's funny i you know i was just i had a little interview with somebody uh before i came into the studio today and we got to talking about the radio how did that come about i've got listen there's not enough time for me to tell you the details of that it's but, a god thing well it is and, and so oftentimes you were you remember on monday we came back in studio we were you were talking about a quote that was on the forearm of the amateur that did well in the masters. Yeah. Remember what that, that it, tattoo was? Yeah. It, uh, he said, uh, don't wait, you know, don't to, wait to, don't, don't wait, wait to do something. Yeah. Don't wait to do it. <clears throat> I didn't use that quote, but that's what came to my mind is so oftentimes we, we, we hit the pause button when we're asked to do something, uh, and not, you know, as if, well, I'm not good at that. I don't want to do that. I don't feel called to do, you know, whatever. All, all these excuses we make on why we're not going to do something. I still remember when you asked me if I would do this with you. And I, the first thing that came to my mind is, uh, no, I am not interested in doing that. And uh, I, think I, I think I said something like, well, if you can raise the money, I'll do a couple of weeks with you. Yeah. Well, two weeks has turned into almost seven years. Yeah. How about <laughs> but, I, that? but I say, you know, the, the fact is, uh, not that we're we feel like we're good at this, but I do feel like God's called us to this, mm-hmm. and so we we get in here you know, week after week and open up the Word of God. You teach it, we discuss it, and uh, we talk about the application of it. Yeah, and the the thing that's amazing to me as we've worked through Acts, which for the last year and a half, almost two years, two years, yeah, yeah is we're you know we're at the point where Paul is. He's been in Caesarea for two years in jail. No preaching, no teaching. And he's before Festus, and he's before Agrippa, too. Um, 
King Agrippa II, uh, the second, I should say. And it's such a stark contrast in people. You've got a guy in chains who basically is powerless in the eyes of the world. And it brings to mind that, you know, that letter Paul wrote where he says the wisdom of, of I mean, the foolishness of God is stronger than the, or is wiser than the wisdom of man. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, the weakness of God is stronger than any strength man has. And I'm paraphrasing there, but I mean, it's, Paul just brings that out as he's writing the Corinthians and we tend to look at the exterior, right? I mean, and, and it's a, it's something that goes back even Samuel when he's looking at, you know, um, Jesse's kids and he's picking, you know, is this all you got? You know, it's none of these. And, and there's David, who's the ready last one of the bunch mm. who ends up being the one God wants to be the King. And, and so, when you look at Paul as compared to Festus and Agrippa, it looks like Festus and Agrippa have the upper hand, but nobody's talking about Festus and Agrippa today, That's you right. know, except in <clears throat> except relation in, to Paul. Right, exactly. And so we're actually in chapter 25. We've covered all the way through verse 19, and we're looking at this contrast in two lives, a life wasted on selfish pursuit and Festus and Agrippa and a life worthy of the gospel. And if you remember from uh, yesterday, we talked about what that means. Paul uses that phrase in Ephesians 4, Philippians 1, 1 Thessalonians 2, Colossians 1. I think there's one more place he uses it. Uh, It's a life worthy of the gospel, a life worthy of the calling of the Lord, a life Mm -hmm. worthy of the calling of God. In Colossians 1, he identifies what that means, to walk worthy means to live out a life of bearing fruit. He, we saw uh, growing in our knowledge of God, joyfully persevering in all circumstances, and being thankful for our salvation. And those four things are clearly evident in the life of Paul. God took this guy who was a persecutor of Christians and turned him into a preacher of the gospel. And so he's now in front of Festus talking to him. And verse 20 uh, says that Festus didn't understand what, he didn't know what to do. He was at a loss, it says. He says, I I was at a loss for what to do. I didn't know how to investigate the questions because all these things have to do with Jesus and Uh, Paul asserts Jesus to be alive. These leaders say he's dead. So it all revolves around the gospel. And so read verses 21 through 27, and we're going to finish up and talk a little bit about the resurrection, especially since it was Easter last week. Yeah. And and the resurrection is the hinge point of our faith. And so go ahead and... and Yeah, Acts 25, beginning in verse 21. But when Paul had appealed... To be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I'd like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes, 
tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer? But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. <clears throat> and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. Verse 27, For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that interesting? So Claudius Lysias, Felix, and now Festus have no charges against they don't, they don't know what to charge him with. Nothing that'll stand. Yeah, nothing that will hold up because the witnesses have no evidence, right? And so... And you read in verse 21, he appealed to Caesar. And Herod goes, hey, I'd like to hear from him. Herod just want Herod was Agrippa. This is Agrippa II, uh, the second, by the way. He was intrigued. Notice it says Herod, uh, Agrippa, and Bernice. We see that twice in 25 and 26. That is Luke's little indicator of the morality of this man. This was his sister, but he also slept with her. And everybody knew it, but he was the vassal king of this area by Rome. He was more Roman. That's much more a Roman mm. thing, obviously, than a Jewish thing. He was Idumean. He was uh, Edomite. They lived for the flesh. They were pagans compared to the Israelites who worshiped the one true living God. And so um, he appealed to Caesar, and Herod goes, I'd like to hear him. And so Agrippa and Bernice came in with this great pomp it says which is pageantry yeah. it's this um pretty much uh this cheap display of of the fact that i'm somebody i yeah. i'm i've got status right it says prominent men and tribunes verse 23 and verse 24 and 25 all the people festus says were shouting that paul should die but he goes i find him innocent here's another declaration of his innocence and so he goes, I'm sending him to Rome, but I don't have anything to write about him. Again, another declaration. I don't have anything on him. He says mm -hmm. that. <clears throat> Can you guys help me write something? And and so the thing is, Brad, Paul was under no obligation to appear before Herod. Once he declared appeal to Caesar. He can just he, wait. He, he could wait. Out. He didn't <clears throat> have to. Right. I contend he wanted to share the gospel. He yep. wanted the audience, you know. Yeah. And yep. so. Um, Festus goes, I got to have some kind of charges. Otherwise it's unreasonable. Again, this is another assertion. Seven times in this passage, Paul's innocence is referenced. The only thing he's guilty of is preaching the resurrection. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about the resurrection, how we celebrated that last week. And Philip Schaff, who was a historian, wrote the history of the Christian church says, that the infinite test question of our Christian faith is the resurrection. It's either the greatest miracle that ever happened or the greatest delusion that has ever been pulled mm. off. Because of all, think about the vast impact that that has had. And there have been several people, prominent people in history, a guy named Rob or Frank Morris, 
He was a British lawyer. He set out to write a book to disprove the resurrection, and he wrote a book called Who Moved the Stone that ends up affirming all the evidence, and he ends up becoming a believer. Josh McDowell did the same thing and wrote evidence that demands a verdict and more than a carpenter. Uh, Lou, uh, Lou Wallace, who wrote Ben-Hur. You remember watching the original Ben-Hur with uh, Charlton Heston? <clears throat> I do. Did you know that that book was written to set out to disprove the deity of Christ and the resurrection, and he ends up, again, affirming again. So, Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here in just a second. If you want to call this afternoon, the number is 844-777-7928. Again, that's 844-777-SWAT. If you have a question or comment, you can also email us at ask at SWATradio.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And now, Stand on the Word with Tony Perkins. Our word for today comes from Isaiah 11, verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, this prophecy speaks of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, but notice that peace flows from the knowledge of the Lord. Until a person, a nation, or the world pursues the knowledge of the Lord, there will be no lasting peace. A home without the knowledge of the Lord will not be a place of peaceful refuge. If a nation rejects the knowledge of the Lord, it is only a matter of time before violence fills the streets. No amount of gun control or enhanced penalties can cancel the invitation to evil created by the rejection of God. When a nation rejects the knowledge of the Holy One, peace will be nothing more than elusive promises made by political leaders. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. There's major delays because of a crash in St. John's County on I-95 northbound at the International Gulf Parkway, blocking the left lane. Also, there's some congestion on U.S. 17 Roosevelt Boulevard, northbound and southbound near NAS Jacks. Cloudy tonight, low 61. Thursday, cloudy with showers and thunderstorms, high 78. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here this uh, Wednesday afternoon. You know, I mentioned this going into the last segment. If you are maybe not in a Bible study, Doug and I always encourage men to be in community with other men around the Word of God. You know, we don't have a problem being in community around a ball game, a golf game, a little league game, all the things that us guys like. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those, but we need to be in community around the Word of God. And if you're not in that, let me encourage you. Go to SWATradio.com. There are a number of Bible studies that Doug leads throughout the city of Jacksonville. And uh, we even have, even have a Zoom call. You can get on a Zoom call and be a part of that. But uh, go to SWATradio.com. Click on the Meetings tab. You'll see the various locations and times that we meet. And we would uh, love to see you there in person. So come join us. If you want to call this afternoon, the number is 844 777 
we always welcome a little conversation about the text we're working through. And as we are working through Acts chapter 25 this week, verses 17 through 27 today, a lot of ground to cover, but we're specifically looking at Paul's life, which is a, a, a life worthy of the gospel. Yeah, it, it is a life worthy of the gospel, and we talked about that, and Paul's hope was that the Messiah had come, and Jesus revealed to him that I mean, he saw Jesus after he mm-hmm. knew Jesus had died. Jesus had been crucified. And it, like we said, it's the heart of the Christian faith. The resurrection's the hinge point. Uh, in fact, um, Simon Greenleaf said, the foundation of our, our faith is a basis of fact. The fact of the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection as witnessed by the evangelist as having actually occurred within their own personal knowledge. They saw it and they talked about it. Um, and, you know, when Josh McDowell in Evidence That Demands a Verdict says, the disciples proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus within weeks. Like they were proclaiming boldly, never recounting after they started proclaiming boldly. Yes, they were scared initially, because they saw him die. And if you remember, Brad, he told him over and over, right? They were going to die. And, but they didn't really expect him to rise from the dead, even though he had told them. <laughs> I mean, and, and let's be honest, it would have been hard for me and you sitting there watching him uh, excruciating pain on the cross. It's one of the most torturous ways to be executed. And then taken down from that cross, laid in a tomb right they pierced his side they they put him in a tomb they rolled a two-ton stone in front they put a seal on that by the roman guard that basically says you violate that seal you're in jeopardy of dying Mm -hmm. uh, being executed and and all of a sudden and there's a roman guard around him guarding the tomb and the tomb was empty three days later and nobody ever produced a body nobody ever they just so so here's the things we know from even extra biblical history sources jesus there was a man named jesus who lived and was crucified he was buried and there was an empty tomb that was proclaimed and he is risen was and they never found his body they never found his body and so and he appeared to 500 Yes, but here's the crazy thing. This guy from uh, Germany, he was a professor over there at a, a, a school, a, a seminary, says the erection could not have been maintained in Jerusalem for a single day or even a single hour if the emptiness of the tomb had not been established as a fact for all concerned there. Think about that for a second, hmm. that He's, he's exactly right. And, you know, Chuck Colson, I think I shared this quote last week. Um, Chuck Colson said, you know, we had 12 of the most powerful men in the world in Watergate. We couldn't keep alive for three weeks. <laughs> You're telling me that these 12 men who said they saw Jesus raised from the dead kept alive for 40 years, undergoing torture, being beaten, being stoned, 
being put in prison and they kept telling a lie that they knew was a lie, he says it's absolutely impossible. It's, yeah. e- it's either <clears throat> true or it's not. Well, and when you go through the list of the apostles and how they died for what they stood for, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty amazing. And I, you had that in your notes. And, you know, Andrew crucified on the cross, Barnabas stoned to death by the Jews, Bartholomew beaten to death with clubs, James, the half-brother of Jesus, stoned, James the lesser thrown from a pinnacle of the temple and beaten. It's just down the line. Yes, all these guys went through this. So here's the question you got to ask. What did they gain by telling this lie? I don't know. Did you did you see <laughs> I, I, I didn't I send you the Babylon B thing about the disciples getting together after after the death of Jesus? You know how Babylon B does satire, right? right? Yeah. <clears throat> so in this satirical little video, Peter goes, they're all looking dejected, and Peter goes, okay, guys, I have an idea. Let's come up with a story that we saw Jesus, right? And we'll tell everybody. And everybody starts cheering, yay, yay, yay. <laughs> and he says, and they go, what are we going to get from that? And he goes, we're going to get beaten, and we'll get murdered, and we'll get tortured. And they're going, yay, yay, yay. And the guy playing John, the Apostle John, goes, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I I'm not following what, what is, I mean, like, what do we get out of it? Like, I mean, like that doesn't sound good to me. Right. Why are we going to do that? And and that's the whole point is no prestige, no wealth, no positions of power. And they, they all died martyrs except for mm. John, the mm. apostle. And when you look at that and you just think, Why? Why would they do that? Why would they? And I, and my answer is they wouldn't. Nobody dies for a lie knowing it. It's a lie. Yeah, yeah. I was <clears throat> looking at first. I think you brought this up today. At least it was in my notes from today. Second uh, Peter, uh, chapter one, beginning at verse eight. It says, "Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner." But he says, share in suffering for the gospel Hmm. by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Hmm. Interesting, you you brought that up even today, that so many in our culture want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. Mm -hmm. We want to be saved, but we we don't want to be called to holiness. Hmm. Uh, He goes on, he says, not not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, mm-hmm. and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Again, speaking of the resurrection, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, mm-hmm. for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. He goes in verse 12, this is kind of that point, which is why I suffer as I do, mm-hmm. but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on, says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me. Well, you know, Josh McDowell, who if you don't have evidence that demands a verdict, oh, it's, or even uh, more than a carpenter, his little narrative mm-hmm. like 
or both, Lee Strobel's yeah, yeah. Uh, Case for Christ. Yeah, th- those are great books. But Josh McDowell says this, and I think it's really true, that few people seem to realize that the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone to a worldview that provides the true perspective to all of life. I mean, think about that, Brad. Like, if you take that away, mm-hmm. it's like I was talking about in the study this week, that if if you don't have the, the, the worldview of a believer and follower of Jesus, yeah. then your worldview is based on a lie. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to look at it, right? There's, there's, and, and yet we live in a world. How often do you hear um, somebody talk about their truth? You know, their truth. That's not your truth. It's not, there's truth. There is no your truth, right. my truth. There's truth. Truth is truth. It's truth is um, unchangeable, right? Yeah. If you jump off the Empire State Building, the truth is gravity will have an effect on you. You will hit that concrete going 200 miles an hour or you know somewhere between 100 and 200 miles an hour and all the truth you want to believe about it, something different about gravity isn't going to change that. See, we, we reality ultimately wins out. Reality ultimately will went out over this perversion of truth Mm -hmm. and you know i'm excited about next week on air because we're going to talk about yeah well it's just like i said uh you know the the scripture that says the way of the transgressor is hard when we get outside of god's boundaries it's going to get tough hey we're going to take a quick break call us at 844-777-7928 we'll be right back This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. In Cuba, they may not sing it, but they sure dream it. I want to be an American. Or maybe, I want to be a Canadian. Everybody knows here that money doesn't grow on trees, and yet there's still that dream of having more than you have. For more than a year, it's been hard living in Cuba. 250,000 have managed to flee. A lot for a country of 11 and a half million. And some of those who have left are badly needed pastors even before COVID hit and shut down the business of tourism. Fuel was in short supply with neighboring Venezuela having problems, but then the food started running short. This week, I've been blessed with black beans and rice. Last fall, I never saw the staple of beans. This time, teaching Philippians to pastors at a resort, only one night without power, one day without water, but together 
we found joy in the Lord. I'm Charles Morris in Havana at haventoday.org. The Florida Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Riverside at 91.7. There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on him. Hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here on this Wednesday afternoon. We'd love for you to call in 844 777 7928. That's 844 777 SWAT. And uh, if you have a question or comment, again, you can email us. We'd love to uh, chat. Send that to ask at SWATradio.com, A-S-K at SWATradio.com. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a guy who uh, said that, you know, if you look at our culture today, people that are very progressive in their view of the theology of Christianity would say, well, Jesus was just about love. Christianity is just about love. And he said if love becomes what Christianity is all about, then we can make no sense of Jesus' death and resurrection because there's love and there's justice. And for for us, certainly love is a part of it. Nobody would deny. Jesus said they will know you by your love for one another. When your enemy mistreats you, love him in return. So, yes, love is a part, but love alone doesn't define uh, the relationship we have with God, it's love and justice. And the oh. justice that was given to Jesus on that cross was the justice we should have had poured out on us, the yeah. wrath of God. Yeah. He took that. That is love. That's what love yeah, is. Exactly. You know, Doug, one of the things that you and I have discussed over the years, and I'm going back many years, uh, Books like uh, The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, R.C. Sproul did a great book on the attributes of God. You know, we tend to, we tend to categorize or limit uh, God's character. You know, oh, he is a loving God. Yeah, absolutely he is loving. But there are so many other attributes of God that you need to understand. Mm-hmm. And I, in fact, I honestly, I think that's probably one of the areas we lack the most is, you know, as you and I, I may have even jotted that down today is, you know, why do we have the Bible? Mm-hmm. Why has God given us his revelation? Well, he's given us his revelation that we might know him. Mm-hmm. And when you read the scriptures, you don't only see love. You see a lot of other attributes of God. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just encourage you, if you've never done a study on the attributes of God, man, if you if you believe God's only attribute is love, mm-hmm. man, you, you're sorely mistaken because it is an amazing thing to, to look at Scripture and see the attributes that God has on display. Well, you know, <laughs> um this this guy that I was reading about really he, he he goes on on that love thing because really the truth be known Brad people 
want to misuse things Jesus said to redefine what he was about. And he, he says, this is really good. Ask yourself if love is what Jesus is all about. In other words, trying to get us to love one another. That was his main focus. Then why did everybody reject him? Think about that. Let that sink good, in for just point. a second. See, the truth is, all the people that want to try to say, if you're really a Christian, then you won't say this to me. You know, you'll let me do what I want to do. Hmm. That's really not true at all. Um, I mean, the liberal versions of Christianity, the progressive views of Christianity, uh, assume that being a Christian means you have no enemies because you're a Christian. That's what it assumes, that you're just going to be loving to everybody, and that's what a true Christian does. They love no matter what. Well, Christians should love because we've been first loved, but we also speak the truth in that love. That That is loving to not affirm a delusion to somebody, to not affirm sin. Jesus never affirmed sin for anybody. Right. I, I, right. I, I challenge anybody, bring one example where he affirmed sin. Well, and how is, how is confronting error not loving? Yeah. I, I think when we confront error, uh, that is loving. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the tone in which it's delivered may not be may not sound loving. You know, we we were just talking on the break about feelings. You know, it's not that we don't care about feelings, but I'm not going to sacrifice your feelings for the truth. Mm. You, I think you used this analogy one time, uh, the difference between teaching and preaching. You know, uh, if your grandchildren are running out into the street and there's a car coming, the, the the truth is there's a car coming. The truth is they're running out into the street. They're running into danger. Hmm. Now, my tone may not sound very loving. <laughs> yeah. But my addressing the, 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 the reality of the situation is loving. Mm-hmm. It's not loving for me to not say anything as my grandchildren run out into the street and get hit by a car. Yeah. Yet we look at a culture that is running straight in to the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yet we want to remain loving, quote, yeah. quote, loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not loving. Mm-hmm. Now, how we deliver that, uh, you know, we, we should deliver that with compassion. Yeah. You know, if a, you, you talked about it today. If a blind man comes walking into you, runs into you, you're not going to turn around and, you know, curse him. You're going to have compassion on him because he's blind. Yeah, yeah. But we live in a time where this type of thinking has pervaded the church. And even though churches will not directly say this, it has impacted us. Um, And because really the truth is this past week, it, 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 it should be something that is every week reinforced every i mean that's if you read paul's messages he was always about that right he was always about the resurrection always yeah. about the hope yeah. of christ yeah um 
And instead now we, we don't do that anymore. I, I think of what Charles Spurgeon said. <laughs> he said, there, there's going to come a time where instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church is going to have clowns entertaining the goats. <laughs> and that's what we mm-hmm. have. It's where we're we, headed. We've lost our way. We've lost our mission. Our, we haven't, we've gotten off course and, um, you know, the, Easter kind of gives you an opportunity to reflect on what's really important, the resurrection, the hope of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be about. Um, he is risen. Um, you know, we serve a living God. Je- what was Paul on trial for? He said, Jesus is alive. Mm-hmm. And the leaders there said, no, he's dead. Um, and you just think about um, things going on in our country. Are you? Are you watching CNN talk about how Jesus can save you from your sin? Hadn't heard it lately. No, no. Uh, Are they talking about how the shooter in Nashville had a sin problem? No. No, they're not going to because we don't do that. Um, And so. So who's going to do it? Mm. You know, I think uh, some of the questions that we have going away, you know, the, the, the question is, so what? Based on what we know. Coming out of Easter, even, you know, knowing what you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with that? Yeah, how, what impact does it have on us, right? Um, and we, we, if if we didn't get anything out of Easter, I hope you heard a message that reinforces that Jesus didn't come to make you better; <laughs> yeah. he came to make you alive. Mm-hmm. That's the whole joy of the resurrection right right? Right. it's the fact that he came to make dead people alive yeah uh not a it's it's not a a refurbish of your life it's a complete (laughs) rebuild yeah that's right you're you're a a new creation you're you're not a modified creation you're not a edited version you are a new creation yeah and when when paul wrote to uh, the galatians he says i've been crucified in christ it's no longer i who live it's Christ who lives in me. That's why when Paul was persecuting the Christians, Jesus said, "You're persecuting me." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's and we well, and this is what Paul is standing up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it is the hope of glory. Yes, you know, I think of First Corinthians fifteen nineteen, where it says, "If in Christ we have hope in this life only, mm-hmm. only." We are of all people most to be pitied. If you're coming to Christ because you want your life here to be hunky dory, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're you're to be pitied. Yeah, I you know I I shared from Luke 24. I spoke to a, a group of people on Easter Sunday morning, and I was I was thinking about you know Luke 24, Cleopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus. And and they, this just phrase is haunting. We had hoped he was the one. We had hoped. And what did they hope that he was the one that would do, that would take Rome out of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. that would reestablish Israel's glory? It, they had created a picture of what Messiah would look like for them that Jesus didn't measure up. And to. what he would do. Yeah. And the resurrection was not about 
your personal gain. Now, if you're if you're his and he's in your life, you gain a relationship with the one true living God. Mm. And there's eternal life with that. And that is a gain. But it was never about a big bank account, uh, a fancy car, having all your bills paid. Um, it was about having your sin, guilt removed, yeah. and a new person inside you, a but new spirit. You brought it up today. It was about reconciliation. Yep. That we have been reconciled to God through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Yeah. That's good news. Yes, it is. Hey, tomorrow, speaking of that, he is uh, his only son. Go see it. I'm going to have David... Helling tomorrow as my guest, the writer-director. I hope you'll join us. Uh, It's going to be a great interview. Look forward to it.